Good morning, Dr. Badia here for our weekly or biweekly now episode of uh, podcast Fixing Healthcare from the Trenches. Uh, it is a great pleasure to uh, tell you a little bit about our guest this week because he is really the epitome of a clinician uh, slash entrepreneur, something I, I've uh, continued to strive for. But uh, Dr. Joseph McGinley has done it very successfully. Uh, he's as a clinician, he's actually not an orthopedic surgeon. Many people think that he is a musculoskeletal radiologist. So a lot of what he does is treatment via via injection, finding the source of the pain. Uh, but his start was actually mechanical engineering, which was a good launch pad for things he's done, which he'll talk about. Uh, he did his uh, undergraduate work at Temple. He has a PhD in physiology. Uh, he and I never spoke about that, but that was my undergraduate major at Cornell. So uh, I love physiology. And then he did his residency at a, and, and fellowship at kind of a, a, you know, a lackluster place called Stanford. And he uh, and then started, he actually moved from Philadelphia while he was in California, obviously, and then settled, uh, it's an interesting story, but settled in Casper, Wyoming. And he started, uh, he is the founder CEO of something called, uh, a company called McGinley Orthopedics, which has several different branches, several uh, products that I've used, and I'm uh, proud to say I'm actually an investor because I saw this at the Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons, and I thought that this, uh, this particularly this one product, which we'll talk about, is really the cat's meow. So, uh, w- without further ado, introducing Dr. Joseph McGinley. Alejandro, great, uh, nice to see you today. Thank you. Thanks for joining us, and uh, I'm glad you're joining us. Before. Uh, uh, also, a little-known fact about you that you will be uh, climbing Mount Everest in about ten days, right? I, I leave on Sunday, so yeah, oh, I'm, I'm all right. packed, <laughs> packed, ready to go. Uh, by this time next week, uh, hopefully, we'll be we'll be heading up to base camp. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, make sure you have a cocktail at the Yak and Yeti in uh, Kathmandu. That's one of my favorite bars in the world. Uh, I was not there to climb Everest, but so I admire that. Uh, but that. Uh, well, at some point, I think you're going to get through the seven summits, right? Is that the goal? That's correct. This, uh, you know, it's successful. This will be number six of the seven summits. And then oh, okay. the, the last one I have is Mount Vincent in Antarctica. So that, um, you know, if all goes well, that'll be next year. And if we're talking this time next year, hopefully all seven will be complete. All right. Well, good. Well, a lot of people are depending on you. So so, so, so be safe. Uh, I look, look forward to hearing the story. So, so tell us a little bit about um, how, uh, as a clinician, you you really got into into being an entrepreneur and solving a problem and what the challenges are really because that's what the podcast is about is educating the public and our colleagues about about our challenges yeah well i mean you're an entrepreneur yourself and and you're aware of the the passion and desire to change healthcare um really it, it's just something wonderful that uh when you experience it there, there's no better professional feeling and uh, you know, when I was finishing up med school, I had the opportunity to uh, go on the residency fellowship at Stanford, and then we ended up starting McGinley Orthopedics. And I was still practicing at the time. So I got to see both sides of healthcare, both sides of medicine. And, you know, to be honest, it, it was rather shocking and frustrating to see, you know, how the mechanics occur uh, within medicine. And, and most patients would be shocked to know uh, what happens in the background and how decisions are made or even how decisions are made outside their physicians uh, uh, from third parties that have never even met them before. Um, so it is a, it is an interesting process. It's a great learning process. Um, again, for me as a clinician and an entrepreneur, um, I learned from both sides of the aisle on that. And you have to navigate that carefully to make sure you're successful. 
and and you 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 brought up a point about that patients would be indeed shocked. What do you think that we can do? Because it's one of the questions I ask a lot of the guests is, what can we do to educate the public? Because, you know, th- this uh, this podcast and many others, you know, doesn't get, I mean, we're no Joe Rogan, right? But, th- but this affects not only people's lives, right? Especially right. some of the products you've developed in McGinley Orthopedics, but it affects our economy. I mean, it's 20% of our economy. We talk about inflation. We talk about impending recession. Why do you think the public doesn't seem to care about this? Well, again, when you have insurance, right, you, you know, you, you just assume it's covered by insurance and, and you don't really care. You don't shop around. You think all healthcare is the same. Uh, you know, you think if you go to see one doctor versus the other, you're getting the exact same care that they're always going to be using the best products. Um, but that's that's just not the case. And it, it's challenging. Right. So if there's no you know direct impact on the patient that they can see up front, uh, it's hard to change that behavior. So the, the system itself has created this um, culture where, you know, patients just don't ask the questions. And uh, those that do ask questions, those that say, OK, what is the pricing at this facility versus that facility? Why are they using specific products or procedures? Um, those individuals end up getting, I think, uh, better care once they start asking the questions. But uh, empowering the patient really is the solution. Uh, but the system is biased against that currently. Yeah. So 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 basically, patients maybe should have some skin in the game. Right. And, and that they would make wiser decisions. Yeah. Well, you know, a good example of this, uh, we, we chatted offline about this recently with our IntelliSense drill and products. Um, we just recently entered the veterinary market. And it's shockingly more efficient, <laughs> um, yeah. uh, you know, because everything's cash pay in that situation. And people who are bringing in their dogs and pets, you know, they, they love them as their child. Uh, so they they want they want the best care. Um, so when we're introducing our products to veterinary orthopedic surgeons, they jump on it right away. I mean, the turnaround time is weeks instead of years, uh, which is what we see in, in current, you know, uh, human medicine. Um, so it, it's been eye-opening to see the efficiency and, and, in my opinion, the focus on better outcomes and better care in veterinary medicine than in human medicine. That is sad. And, um, yeah, there were two two great veterinary schools at, at, at Penn, right near Temple and um, and at Cornell. So I, I, I've also seen that side. And, you know, I have a number of uh, people lately have been talking to me about their dogs and about, you know, ACL uh, recons- and, and it's amazing, like what the reimbursement is there compared to uh, the human ACL. And um, it, it's it's it is shocking. Um, yep. let, let's talk about your your drill, because it, it has been a game changer for me. Now, I don't do anything in a hospital anymore. People know that about me. I'm very proud of that. So I'll do a humorous plating or a clavicle, which before I used to be quite stressed about it, right? There's a, a little something called the subclavian vein and artery, right? And it, you talk about the case report. There's actually been two deaths, I think, um, in Australia uh, from plating of the clavicle. And what the IntelliSense drill does, right, is it's safe and it saves time and money in the operating room. And yet I can't even get my colleagues here at a major trauma center in Miami to even look at it. Uh, so that that goes to show, I mean, if it was veterinary, you're right. That would be no problem. Uh, so t- talk a little bit about the drill and about the benefits. Yeah, there's a lot of lots unwrap in that last statement there, Alejandro. But uh, yeah, the IntelliSense drill, you know, we, we looked at this, you know, my background's engineering, right? So um, we saw a major problem in orthopedic surgery, and that's the manual process of fracture fixation. Uh, right now, all the tools that are currently being used, the drills, the, the depth measurement, 
all of it's completely manual. It, it, it really hasn't changed since, you know, like the 1970s, really. Um, so we took the concept, just like we have our smartphones that have sensor technology, enabling technology to make our lives easier. We said, what if we take the same concept, put sensors into the tools the surgeons are using, and then create a handheld robotic system. And that's what the IntelliSense drill does. So uh, we embedded sensors into uh, the standard orthopedic drill. It can sense bone as it's drilling. So it's no, it knows where it's at the entire time throughout the drilling process, automatically stops when you breach the far side of the bone and then tells you exact, exactly what size screw you need. Um, so because of that, it's safer, faster, it's better for the patient. And you're absolutely right. Trying to get adoption is challenging for various reasons, whether, you know, the, the hospitals don't want to bring it in. They just see it as a drill. They don't really appreciate the, the enabling technology, the safety technology. Some surgeons think they don't need it. Uh, they, you know, we, we have several publications now that prove otherwise. But, you know, a lot of surgeons will say, well, I, I don't plunge. You know, I, I get my screws correctly every single time. Um, we know that's not true just on published data. So, you know, trying to change behavior can be can be challenging and right. yeah this type of technology <laughs> patients can ask for it <laughs> yeah let, let, well let's explain to, to those patients uh what plunging is right so when you when we put a plate and screws on a generally a fracture we may use it for other things but most most commonly a fracture right where the bone is broken right a fracture and, and broken bone are the same thing by the way right so um so when we put that plate on right we drill and then we measure the screw length and many times it's inaccurate because when you measure um, uh, sometimes you catch a little tissue on the far side and many of the screws end up being long and patients complain of long screws. So that's, that's one issue. But the issue of plunging, as I alluded to in the clavicle, is that it can be dangerous or around the pelvis, right? You can penetrate uh, uh, an organ and it doesn't take very far. So, yeah. so for the public to understand that it's safe. Now, uh, today I'm doing a case, by the way, that's why I'm normally I wear a sport jacket, but I'm going to be in the operating room uh, in the next hour or two. And I have to do a few cases. One of them is a shortening osteotomy, right, of the ulna, right? So what I think, what I want now the clinicians to understand is this saves money because I will not measure a single screw. I'll, I'll put the drill. It'll stop at the far cortex. Now, it's not a very dangerous area there, fortunately, but I won't plunge and I'll be able to measure. So immediately the, the whole team in the operating room will know what size screw I need. And I'll put those six or seven screws in and I'll save at least, you know, a good five to 10 minutes or more if I get the wrong screw length. And then I have that screw I have to take out. And now I can't, I can't put that in somebody else. So that screw, which is, you know, typically what, Joe, about can be anywhere from 70, anywhere from 40 to $150 for uh, yeah. you know titanium screw. Um, so, so this, this has an economic consequence as well, time saving and certainly safety. Yeah, the average screw price is about $125 per screw. You're absolutely don't, correct. Don't tell me that because I'm a part owner. <laughs> so, 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 Joe, um, uh, and also, by the way, I use uh, your, your the plate because it's a very novel, you know, I was very involved in the, the transformation of how distal radius fractures are treated. And you guys took it to the next level with the uh, lever action plate. So this is a plate for my colleagues who, uh, when you put the plate in, I can actually dial in the, uh, the amount of tilt of that, of that joint surface. And uh, th that has been a game changer as well. And we're hoping to, to publish that. So, um, so, so thank you for that. Uh, so, so we alluded to a number of things that end up really impacting our healthcare system. You've seen big university, you're now in private practice. Uh, I wanna hear uh, what your three 
top initiatives would be to to fix our healthcare system? Well, um, uh, yeah. the number one bane of our, yeah, we could probably go 30 on that list oh. and still be talking, but um, yeah, picking a top three can be challenging. You know, the number one thing on a day-to-day basis, believe it or not, are insurance companies. And you're aware of the frustration of insurance companies and, and how they can dictate care. So I think extracting insurance companies, getting them out of the decision-making process on how we care for patients, that's number one. As physicians, we want to make sure we're doing what's best for our patients and right. Uh, we don't want uh, other third parties who haven't seen those patients influencing that. Um, empowering physicians to make decisions and manage the, the care of the practice. Uh, you know, Traditionally, even as recent as 20, 30 years ago, a majority of practices were physician-owned and physician-run. We're, we're seeing that switch. I think we're below 50% now, and most, are, most physicians are employed by hospitals. So their decision-making ability, their ability to control patient care has diminished significantly uh, in that time period. So you know, we're, we're on the front line. We're the ones that are seeing the patients. We, we know what's best for the patients. So I think empowering physicians, again, to be in control of management. Now uh, we have uh, private equity um, uh, getting very involved, which, you know, can be good or bad. That's a whole uh, one of my colleagues on the on the ortho show. Shout out to Scott Sigmund had a, a very interesting guest recently about private equity. So that that's another discussion. But but absolutely. Yeah. I think the jury's still out on private equity, right? We don't know if they're going to be helpful or not in this situation, yeah. but hopefully they're on the helpful side of things. Um, so and then, number three? <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, I, I think number three would be um, when we're caring for patients, focusing on uh, prevention and educating patients, empowering patients to be yeah. decision makers. Um, mm-hmm. if, if, if patients were empowered and really focusing on what's best for them, we, I don't think we'd be in this situation because they are the consumers. They're consumers of healthcare. And they have more power than they really believe. And unfortunately, the system's biased against that. Uh, but it doesn't take many patients to speak up to, to change how things are done. No, we, we, look, we've seen it with several societal issues, right? I, I always say this, you know, a few bad cops all of a sudden change the dialogue in this country. So I'm wondering, you know, what what is it a, a few bad decisions that an insurance company makes that really affects patients? And, well, uh, you know, you, you, uh, you, you contributed... Uh, you know, in, in, in my book, and, and we there's a, there's a patient there mentioned. So we are going to be having a patient on this podcast very soon who's going to tell their story because I think what you just said is is critical. Is Yeah, uh, the, patient's, the patient's stories are powerful. And, and you know, on our website, um, you know, we have yeah. Jane Campbell who's uh, told her story about uh, screws being too long and how that's yeah. affected her. I mean, I, I couldn't, there's no way I could tell that story the way she did. And yeah. from her perspective, you can just feel that emotion. You can feel how that impacted her life. Um, so it doesn't take too many of those for, you know, politicians, uh, industry, everyone else to look at it and say, we need to fix this. We need to, we can do better, really. That's that's where we should be. Absolutely. So, um, all right, well, I'm going to give you my three, Joe. And, and there, there's always an overlap, you know, with, with people who are disrupting healthcare. I find that my top three initiatives are very similar. So, so similar to physicians not dicta- um, insurance companies not dictating care, uh, oversight, not authorization, right? Yeah. Meaning the authorization process is a hurdle. Rather, we should have oversight because uh, physicians, like anybody else, can make bad decisions, and there are overutilizers. We all we all know this as as doctors, but it's not the majority of people. So we need that oversight, but not the hurdles of authorization. And and now finally, I think Congress is really working on that. Um, the second one is something that you're bringing now uh, to uh, to your part of Wyoming, right specialist at the right time. 
this this concept of gatekeeper and uh, there's too much to know in medicine you really yeah. need to see in many cases the right not specialists but subspecialists because that actually saves money we order less studies less tests you're a radiologist you see people ordering right mris of fingers yeah. i mean it's an absurd thing right so let let the, the right specialist and you are um, um i'd like to announce that you are going to be uh, opening your own ortho now uh gosh in june right that's correct. Yeah, uh, June fifth or sixth, the first that first full week of June. Now we're going to be opening up the first ortho now right here in uh, Casper, Wyoming, and, and looking forward to providing, as you said, specialized care to patients um, to to make sure that they're treated more effectively, efficiently, and uh, save them money. Really, in the end, yeah, save them and the insurance company money. So if hopefully we can get the insurance company, you know, supporting this. Um, and then the, the last one is what we're doing, and and what you've always done as well, Joe, is educating the public. And that is, you know, that was always the goal. That's why in 10 weeks, I, I, you know, during lockdown, I didn't, I didn't do a lot of Netflix binging, but what I did is I, I wrote this book that's right behind my left shoulder. And uh, that, that book and this podcast, the goal is to really bring people like you and voices um, to, to this. And people can watch this uh, recording on YouTube, by the way, this is podcast 13. Uh, while you're in the gym or driving, you can also see the podcast on uh on uh, Spotify, Apple, uh, iHeartMedia, I believe, and all of those. So um, what are your parting words, Dr. McGinley? Well, again, for your audience out there, for the physicians, keep fighting. Uh, there's those of us that really do want to change healthcare and make it better for patients. And uh, there's a lot of us out there. For the patients out there, uh, just speak up, ask questions, and demand the best care for yourself. That's that's really all we can ask. And and tell others to, to do the same. I mean, uh, the more voices involved, the better it's going to be for everyone. I, I agree. And there, there, I think there is a, uh, a groundswell happening now in terms of healthcare. And, you know, I, I, I'm having some interesting conversations with some legislators, but it, it's got to come from the public. So yes. if uh, all of you who are watching found what Dr. McGinley said uh, interesting, please share it because, you know, we, we all like, like you know, likes, they, but that doesn't move the needle. What you've got to do is share it and talk about it and, you know, critique it. Let me know what problems you have with everything you, you said, uh, what I said, because uh, that's the only way if we get a dialogue. So thank you, Dr. McGinley. And I'll see everyone in uh, two weeks. I'll be doing the podcast, I think, from Europe. So that'll be a, a new, unique experience. <laughs> thank Bye -bye. you, Alejandro. And good luck on Everest. All right. Yes. Thank Break you. That, catch up afterwards. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Thank you.